We're going to be in Titus chapter 2, and a few things I want us to be looking for as we go through this uh, first six verses is there's three things that we're going to kind of hit on. Is One, sound doctrine is everything. Um, we really need to press in, hold fast to teach, preach, and receive sound doctrine in our lives. Um, the second thing is you're going to see Paul talking to Titus about who should be doing those things. Um, in the church and throughout the world. And the last thing we'll kind of look at is the ways those, the sound doctrine is distributed among believers and to a lost world. And so if we look at the context of Titus chapter 2, we see that Paul has taken Titus along with him on missionary journeys, and they come to the island of Crete, and they start evangelizing, and the church begins to grow there. And so Paul recognizing, though, that God is moving in Titus's life and equipping him, decides to leave Titus there on the island of Crete to continue to develop and disciple leaders and believers in the church there. And if you look at the context of the island of Crete at this time, and even in the first few verses of chapter 1, um, you kind of see that the island of Crete is full of liars and, and people who are just mischievous. And so it's not really the best context you would think of gathering together leaders out of liars and cheaters. Um, but the very first thing I love with Paul is he starts with saying, God's not a liar though. Amen. Okay? So we see here's Titus. He's young. He's growing in his faith. And he's been given the task to raise up disciple leaders and members among liars and cheaters with the gospel of Christ. And Paul, having invested in him, is now writing this letter and he's telling him, here are the main things. And Paul will take main things and he'll connect them one to another with this phrase of likewise. Just kind of connecting them one to another, putting them in order and priority of how things should unfold and be uh, to be perceived. And as we think about this discipleship model that's being proclaimed in this letter, we're doing it right now today in the context of young adults. Because we've looked already at how kids should be discipled from a very young age in the home and in the church. And that way they are familiar and they know who God is from a young age. And that students, although young in age, should not be discouraged from leading out in their faith. Because just because you're a young person doesn't mean that God isn't maturing you in Christ. And so when we look at young adults, and specifically for Solid Rock and what that context looks like, because we don't always agree on what considers a young adult, right? And so what, we'll talk, what we're talking about is graduated high school, 18, 24, you're stepping out on your own, probably in college, making choices, feeling a responsibility for your choices, probably for the first time. And so when we're talking about young adults, that's who we're talking about. Um, for a frame of reference, if you grunt or make a sound when you sit or stand, you're not a young adult. <laughs> Just kind of help you out to give you another level of what we're talking about, okay? And so the fact that you all laughed tells me where we're at. Um, so this is what we're talking about as young adults. It's, it varies in maturity, but the age we're talking about is kind of that 18 to 24 mark. So as uh, we dig in, let's think about those three things. Let's think about what it means to disciple these young adults in the faith of Christ Jesus. So we'll start in chapter 2, verse 1. This is Paul speaking to Titus, and he says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. 
So before we go any further with this discipleship model, Paul says before anything else, teach sound doctrine. He's talking about God's word. He's talking about God's truth. The thing that is infallible, the thing that is pure and precious, that's living. The thing that most importantly is life-changing. It is the breath of God. It is what comes inside of us through the work of the Holy Spirit and changes us from dead people to alive people. And this is important because if it doesn't start with this, it doesn't matter what your discipleship model is. It doesn't matter what programming, policies, it doesn't matter how you set your church up, it's going to fail. Because without the doctrine of truth, God's word, the gospel of Christ, lives are not going to be changed. You've just set up a fancy club that looks good on the outside, and it's probably rotting from the inside. And so he starts off saying this is teach what accords, agrees with sound doctrine. And we live in a day and age where we're being bombarded all the time with messages. And I'll be honest with you, if we were really honest with ourselves, we have probably been feasting on false and bad doctrines for far too long than we would actually like to agree, and probably further along than we'd actually have been aware of. Because when we take on false doctrine and false teaching and take it in and absorb it and apply it, it's usually being filtered through the idols of our heart. I want you to think about that for a moment. So when we hear false or bad teaching, and what I mean by that is not that Jesus is not the Savior. That's a good doctrine to teach. Most of us would accept that and wouldn't reject that. But I'm talking about is live for yourself. You can do it. You're the best you. The power is within inside of you. Your spouse is what's wrong with your marriage. Your kids is what's wrong with your family. The church is asking too much of me. Do you see what I'm saying? These false doctrines that we tend to start buying into because they're getting filtered through the idols of our heart. And so we base off how we feel about them, how they're practically applicable to our lives. And we start saying, well, yeah, that's got to be true. That helps me. That's got to be true. That helps me. That one's frustrating. I don't know if I want that one. Because when we start talking about sound doctrine, to be honest, most of us might have this idea of this wet blanket that just is a killjoy. Something we can't ever achieve or reach, so what's the point of trying? But we're looking at it completely the wrong way, that when we walk in accordance with Scripture, when we hear those words, they're not a wet blanket to us, they are life-giving. Guaranteed it's going to put some things to death in your life, and that's not fun, but it is life-giving, it is hope. It is true change and transformation that only comes from the Father. And so that's why it's so important when we talk about the church model that as pastors and elders here at Solid Rock, we teach sound doctrine, that our community groups are built upon the sermons to teach sound doctrine, that our Bible studies and men's and women's Bible studies and our discipleship classes teach sound doctrine. Because without that, this doesn't work. It would be an empty... It'd be an empty room. And so Paul's really hammering this down on us is that we must be in accord with sound doctrine. So who should be um, discipling? Who should be teaching? Who should be leading the young? In verse two, he answers that question saying, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled. These are kind of like virtues of what they're supposed to be like. 
older men virtued uh, in being sober-minded, dignified, self-control. And we're talking like dignified, self-control. We're not talking just like he has gray hair and he looks, you know, manly. Um, what we're really talking about is mature in faith because if you left it just at sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled, that could be pretty much any older gentleman, right? It's, again, lifeless. And so he goes on to say that it's sound in faith, in love, in steadfastness. And in Paul's letters, he talks about faith, hope, and love over and over again. And we see it again here. So it's not just that you're sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled, but that you're sound in your faith, you're sound in love of Christ, and you're sound in your hope, the steadfastness. See, steadfastness comes from the fact that we are rooted and grounded in something that we are secure in, that we can trust, that we know is not going anywhere. It's something that's not going to fail. And so with steadfastness, we're able to lock onto that and have a hope that no matter what it's like right now, we know where it's going. We know that the victory is there. And so these older men, again, is not just based off age, it's based off maturity of faith. We're not just looking for old guys, we're looking for people who have been experienced and grounded in sound doctrine. In verse 3, it says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. So if we look again between older men and older women, we're talking about experience and maturity of faith. To teach, to invest in those that are younger so that they may be urged on and perfected in their faith and be able to come alongside to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and steadfastness. To not be given to too much wine, to not be slanderers, to be reverent in behavior. These are indicatives of someone who is walking with Jesus. So often we get the gospel mixed up. If you do this, therefore you are. And it is because of what Christ did on the cross, sound doctrine, therefore you are. Not what we can do. And so we're seeing fruit coming from these mature men and women that have been giving themselves to the faith, have been giving themselves to sound doctrine. And so in their life, we see these virtues that are happening of sober-mindedness, of being in sound faith, in love, and steadfastness. Not in perfection, but if you were to say this is who they are in general or by character or by majority, this is what it looks like. So before we can actively engage in discipling young adults, we have to be a generation that's willing to go before and walk in it ourselves. I was thinking about um, earlier this year, um, we uh, as a staff did a challenge. It was called the Whiteout Challenge, or basically, um, I've heard it described this way. It's like, you eat no sweets, don't eat shoes, no sweets, no refined sugars, um, you know, no carbs, no breads. There's no happiness. There's no smiling. Um, all of those different things. And it was interesting, though, is as we did that, we all collectively felt better. We had more energy. We, we were, um, you know, sleeping better. Like, we were more active. Our clarity of mind was at a higher state. Um, some of us for the first time. Um, but it was just interesting, though, is as we put good things in, good things came out. Right? The energy level, the sleep, all of those things change. 
And so when we think about this discipleship model of seeing the sound doctrines, the teaching of God's word, the transformation of knowing who he is in our lives, that it cannot but produce these things in us. When we submit ourselves, when we, we allow the Holy Spirit to put to death our old selves and, and our sins and our idols and all those different things, and we are now able to walk in a way that shows the fruit of Christ in our lives. And so for us to do that with other people, we must have already been willing to go ahead and walk in that way as well. If we look at uh, verse 3 as we continue, um, we look at the, the means. And it says, they are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. See, church, we have been um, entrusted, we have been called to disciple. The mandate and the responsibility to disciple sound doctrine and other people belongs to us, the church, the body of Christ, believers. It has not been given to anything or anyone else. It is how God has designed it. And it's important for us to remember that. And the, the other part is that the, the sound doctrine and the, the, the discipleship model is not just for the church alone. It's for us to, to urge each other on to teach and to model that stuff for each other, but also so that others may around us know that he is who he says he is, that his word is true, and that his, his gospel is life-changing and saving. And the first way they do this is that the modeling, or the modeling comes from teaching the next generation. We see in Matthew 28, it says, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. What is it we're uh, teaching? Sound doctrine, what the Bible actually says. Then we take what it says and we apply it to life. So we're looking at how does this apply to my life right now? Not changing it to fit me and make it better, but to say what it says and change my life in application. He also says to likewise urge the younger men and this urging is beyond just, you know, teaching and saying, hey, here's the facts. It's this compelling, like, empathizing and sympathizing with you, urging you on. Like, I have a, an invested interest in who you are as a believer that I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to warn you about some of the pitfalls that lie ahead of choices that you're making or experiences I've experienced myself saying, I've been there, I've done that. It doesn't produce life. It produces death. And so he's saying to urge us on, it implies that you care, that we're going to be pouring into people and calling the next generation up and urging them into the faith. And then we also model out what this looks like in our everyday life. And as I was preparing for this, I started thinking about that old song, Cats in the Cradle. You know what I'm talking about? Cats in the Cradle and Silver Moon? No? Okay, so I'm going to explain it to you. It's a really famous song, but here we go. Um, so the whole idea of the song, though, is the son just wants to spend time with his dad, right? 
So, but his dad is like, I'm busy. We'll get to later then, son. We'll have a good time then. That's kind of the phrase that kind of repeats over and over and again. So the son grows up. Dad models work is important. Being gone is important. You're not important. And so we go through a couple of verses, go through a couple of choruses. The song is flipped. Dad's now ready to spend time with son. Son's like, hey, dad, I'm busy. But we'll have a good time then. You know, we'll have a good time then. And so we look at this song, and it's just a perfect example of how living and modeling out a lifestyle produces that in those that are watching. Whether you are intentionally or directly teaching or modeling that, it's being absorbed. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Like how many times have you seen your, your kids mimic something or say something or a phrase, and you just go, holy smokes, where did they get that? It's because they're watching you model life. You, how you act, how you speak. Like, I heard my daughter the other day um, say something, and I'm just like, how did she, where did she get that? And I was like, holy conviction came over from me. I'm like, oh, that was for me. That was for me. And so this modeling is powerful. So similar to the parent-child relationship, so is the discipleship relationship, which means that when we're discipling with each other, we're in biblical community rubbing against each other. It's not a once a month email or a once a month phone call or a once a month text message. It's, it's doing life together, modeling what it means to be of sound doctrine, to be of sound faith, to be of sound love, to be steadfast in those things. Again, not perfect, but being predominantly in those things, modeling what that looks like. And if we are a church who fails to do that with this generation that we're talking about, what typically ends up happening is they end up leaving the church because it was your faith, not mine, or they just didn't ever get it, why it was so life-changing. Because there's just a bunch of rules and wet blankets. Or the other part is they end up staying in a context of no grace and no relationship and no transformation and so they just live their everyday life not having that life-giving hope that comes from sound doctrine. And what ends up happening a lot of times in churches is they end up getting put in a place of leadership a lot of times because we're always looking or needing somebody. <clears throat> and the sad part is they get burned out because they can't do it. And then those that underneath their authority get led astray as well. So we cannot let this generation be a gap that falls to the wayside. It's too important. So Paul lays out this model of discipleship that pastors and elders and teachers, all of us have been given the mandate to disciple, to take on the young, the immature, and to model life, to urge, to teach. And so what we're going to be doing right now is, as a church, we are growing in this ministry. Uh, we right now have a community group that is built of young adults, um, but we also have um, some new couples that are coming along to help us grow and cultivate that discipleship um, culture among those students and young adults. And so right now I want to invite Shane and Kayla Belter uh, to come up. We're going to interview them, so give them a hand and welcome them up. <clears throat> So this is one of the families that uh, has been called and feels compelled to be a part of investing in this generation that we're talking about. And so this is Shane and his wife, Kayla. They also have two little ones. 
Um, and they've been with us since last October at the Chili Cook-Off was when I met Shane. And so they've been with us ever since and really glad that they are. And so I'm just going to ask you guys a few questions and uh, um, just kind of let everybody know who you are and kind of how you've got here is we'd love to hear how you've gotten involved in adult ministry or young adult ministry. Um, yeah, so uh, we grew up in San Diego, um, and uh, that's where I met uh, Kayla um, in high school and we started dating. Um, and we, we had a really thriving youth ministry that we were a part of. Um, and as we were graduating high school, uh, there really wasn't anything after that. Um, and so there wasn't a college ministry or a young adult ministry at our church. Um, and so when we, we graduated, um, we really got together with a couple of uh, other friends um, and our, our high school youth pastor and said, hey, we, we want to have something. Um, we, we were the need at that time. Um, and we wanted to have something where we felt like it was for us. Um, a, a different generation that struggled with different things. Um, and so we got together and started praying um, and inviting different people and doing fun things, but having really deep uh, relationships that were uh, based on the love of Christ. Um, and it grew um, into a ministry, um, into a, a service. Uh, we had about 50 um, people coming at kind of the peak, and we were in that for about three years. Um, and, then, and then from that, uh, we actually launched and planted a church uh, in San Diego uh, with a team that was there. Um, and so that's kind of how we got involved uh, with ministry there. Um, and then God brought us to uh, Texas through a really long, interesting story. We moved from San Diego to Longview, Texas, um, which is anyone is looking to do that, I don't recommend it. Um, but, um, and then God brought us, brought us here. So that's kind of how we got plugged into uh, Solid Rock. That's awesome. So having been part of the need and then having been part of the solution, why do you think it's so hard to reach this gap, this generation that we're talking about? Um, I think there's a, a real, a couple reasons why it, it's, this kind of need arises in churches. And I think the, the first thing is it, it usually appears that there is a place for young adults to fit in with ministry. It's, it seems like the, the Sunday services, the community groups that, that we're a part of as, as adults, um, that need has been met. Um, but that age group is, is struggling with and going through completely different things where we could be in a community group and talking about you know, raising kids and struggling through marriage or going through work, and, and then they're just like, I'm just trying to pass a test and buy and get enough food to eat. And so it's a completely different struggle in life. Um, so really creating that time um, and space to focus on those struggles. And the second part is, it's really, it could be really brief. Um, you know, college students may leave for school. They may come back. They may only be here for a couple months. Um, so really tailoring a ministry for people who are here for four months out of the year can be really difficult. Um, so I think those are some of the struggles that, that we see in churches that, why that can be a struggle. Yeah. Um, so as we talk through this, this model of discipling with mature believers to the young believers, like um, how do you see that being played out in this ministry to bridge that gap? Um, so currently there's a um, <clears throat> gospel community that has been meeting um, for the, this age group, um, and we want to really come alongside of that um, and grow that more um, and really um, take it deeper um, and really up the frequency. Uh, so right now it's been every other week uh, that's been meeting. Uh, we want to kick that up to every week. Um, and we may not always be in a group setting just doing a Bible study, but, you know, one week we may go bowling or go to a baseball game or have everyone over to do a barbecue and just really creating those relationships and having that community um, 
so that we can go deeper. Um, it, it, you really need trust and relationships and intentionality to grow in relationship in any area, uh, but certainly for an area where people, for young people who are coming out of what they were comfortable with into what is now life. Um, and so that scary, unforgiving, young uh, adult life that we always warn high schoolers about, they're now in and experiencing and need that community to be around them. So that's what we're looking to do here at, at Solid Rock is, is creating that community um, with deep relationships that's really focused on the Lord um, and just a place for, for them. That's awesome. So they mentioned the community group that we already have uh, in place, but we're also wanting to grow this ministry. So if you guys were to have your dream and just see what could possibly happen in the next two years, like what do you guys see happening? Um, so we really want to, um, to grow deeper uh, in relationships with people who are here and deeper in Christ. So we would love to see it blow up um, you know, have a really thriving young adult ministry. But what that's really going to look like is, is that we have a place where young adults can feel like they're home. Um, so no matter the, the size and numbers, it's really just going to be that we've cultivated a space where young adults feel like they're a part of the church, um, that they're not forgotten, whether that's young singles, young marrieds, wherever they are in that age group is feeling like they can come in and have that relationship with the church um, and feel a part of it. Um, so we're going to do that through events. Um, I would love to do trips um, you know, camping trips, wherever, you know, th- different things like that, snowboarding, um, things that are fun that most people in that age group would be like, oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't know about church. The church I was in wasn't fun. It was legalism. It was those types of things, mm-hmm. and it was bad doctrine. I was burned. Um, but creating a space where they'll experience the love of Christ, um, sound doctrine that may not feel like church, but it is. It's the body of Christ. Um, and the crazy thing is that there's a new generation that's coming out. So they have a whole new struggle, a whole new experience. Millennials are now grown. So millennials are 38 to 25. Um, so they have now become the next generation that's looking down and going, how can we serve this new generation who has new experiences? So that's what we're really looking to do is just create deep relationships and community um, based on the love of God. Yeah. And so, you know, as we talk about these discipleship models, like, it's so important for us that kids and students, young adults and adults, that it's all connected, that there's not these silos of they're doing their thing over there and they're doing their thing and there's that going on over there, that there's an intentionality of moving us through this pipeline of growing and maturing in faith. And part of this is the vision that we have in our church of growing together in community and worship and living the mission. So uh, any other things that you guys had on your heart that you would want uh, for us to know? or um, I think it's just, it's anybody who's willing um, to pour into to young adults um, and, and just come alongside and, and walk, with, walk with them in life. Because um, the experiences that we've had, we want to share and we want to warn and, and guide and, and, and love uh, young adults. But a lot of times, if you're just some guy or some late, you know, some woman who they're just meeting for the first time, they necessarily don't want to be told. You know, they, they are still teenagers in some sense and then growing up. So whether they're going to listen and really come alongside is when you've intentionally spent time with them and built the relationship and, and had that trust gained and earned. Um, so if anybody wants to, is looking to do that, is to, to be willing to, to walk alongside and to pour into to young adults, uh, you know, I'd love to talk to you and, and see how we can work together and, and grow this relationship through the Lord. That's awesome. 
Well, thank you guys for doing this. Um, you know, having them here is a blessing. We're really glad that God brought them to us and being able to grow in our friendship. And so they're going to be here the rest of the day. And so if you have an opportunity, come shake hands. You let them know who you are, get to know and hear their story. Um, Shane loves if you take him out to eat, he will share more. And so, uh, yeah. So anyways, thank you guys for coming. And uh, make sure you talk to them later on. Yeah, so when we think about discipleship, it's, it's not done as a silo. It's not done by yourself. Um, it's done in a biblical community. Um, just to be honest with you, I would not be anywhere part of this church if it wasn't for the fact that I had godly men and women who invested in my life from a very young age. And looking back and see how God protected me from a lot, um, probably reduced some consequences that probably... Um, he helped keep in check. Um, but I stand here with you, believers in this church, knowing that each and every one of us has had people who's poured into our lives. And without them, we would be lost in more ways than one. And so it's so important for us to recognize the blessing of having someone invest in us and then to continue to pass that on to have a culture of disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. And we will get to do this until the Lord calls us home. And it's the good news of the gospel. We've been given this calling. We've been given this charge, this command as a body, as a church for us, but also for the community around us to the ends of the world. And so it's an exciting thing to be a part of this, and I would encourage you um, to consider where God is calling you in this as well. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up as we get ready to start to respond. But as we think, as we respond to what God has shared us with today, we often say we don't know where you're at in your story or your walk right now. It's because, honestly, we don't know where you're at. And so we trust the Holy Spirit to prompt and to move in your hearts and we make ourselves available so that if God moves in you, you have someone to help walk with you. Mature believers in faith, to answer questions, to pray with you, to urge you on, to model life with you. And what that looks like is we have prayer partners up front and at the back. We have pastors that are going to be here. We have people who love you and want to walk with you. And so you may be a mature believer who... Uh, God is saying you need to be pouring and investing into someone. If that's true, then we want you to know that we have places for you to serve and people for you to be mentoring with. If you're in a, young in your faith and you want to mature and you're excited about growing or want to get caught on fire like Shane was talking about, then we have people that would love to pour into you, meet with you, community groups, um, redemption groups. There are places for you to grow in your faith. Or you're here and you just don't know what this looks like to be a believer, to have that relationship with Christ. Again, we have prayer partners down front who would love to share you the hope and love we have in Christ. And so let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to move as we continue to respond in worship. Father, we love you. And God, just so grateful for the fact that you pursue us, that God, you, you actively walk towards us in your love and your spirit 
The fact, God, that you died on the cross for us before the people in this room and these generations have ever existed. Father, you were loving us then and you love us now. So Lord, I pray that those that you are stirring, that God, that they would have bold witnesses of just walking in faith towards you, asking for help because Father, we are all in need of that. So Lord, we love you and we pray this in your son's name.